welcome back, promoters, to Uncharted Territory. This is episode number 28. I am Corey Olson leading our discussion tonight. Uh, before we get into our topic for the week, uh, let's go around the Zoom room and introduce ourselves. Uh, first of all, let's head to Buffalo, New York, and talk to Tim Dalton. Tim, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, Corey. Doing well. Uh, just kind of kicking back here in Buffalo. It's a beautiful day today. We got up into the low 70s and expect the same tomorrow, although a little bit uh, of rain later in the day or in the evening. It's supposed to cool down the next few days after that and then start warming up again. But, you know, you get a couple days in the 70s in, uh, in, in April in, in Buffalo, you're, you're a happy camper. So we're, we're, we're all good here. Good. Good to hear. Uh, let's head out to Virginia and Stu Lowry. Stu, what's going on in Virginia? Well, Corey, it was a little too warm for my liking today. Just a little too early for this. It's like 86 degrees. That's fine in the end of May. Not digging it right just yet. I mean, we just came off a weekend where it was upper 60s and just absolutely perfect. But, you know, it just it just is a breeding ground for more pollen and more pollen and more pollen. And it's just hot and pollen's everywhere. So I'm surviving. I'm getting through. I'm getting by. And I'm going to give my absolute best effort tonight in spite of it all. I'm, I'm sure you won't uh, let us down, Sue. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's talk to my brother Chad down in Gilbert, Iowa. Chad, how are things in the lovely neck of the woods of Gilbert? Oh, it's it's wonderful here. You know, Stu, I think we're turning into the cast of Cocoon because all we we're a bunch of old people and all we do is grumble about the freaking weather on here. But it was a lovely seventy-five degrees. It was. I did have to turn on my air conditioning yesterday because it got up to about eighty-two and I, it was too darn hot. And I don't yep, like yep, it yep. But it, it was it was very nice and very pleasant. My kids are out watching their friends. The ball games, they don't have any tonight. Life is good. Excellent. That's great to hear. Yeah, here in Minnesota, it's been, uh, we got it. We had some nice weather over the weekend. I mean, warm, not not sunny really, but uh, now it's kind of been cold and rainy again. The last week we've had a lot of spring showers. So hopefully we get to see the sun again sometime soon. All right, our topic tonight, we're going to uh, continue our look at the Club Galactica Super Reports. So we'll be taking a look at two issues here from November 1988 and December 1988, leading up to the release of Invasion 2089, also known at that time as Invasion 2. So with us here on the Zoom call is the founder of Club Galactica, joining us once again, Mark Ashby. Mark, how are you doing tonight? Well, much like Stu, it got a little warmer around here and uh, the pollen is out, but I got a nice uh, lawn mow in today. We had a warm front come through. It was a little chilly this weekend, but we are looking for some temperatures on the weekend to you know, maybe come back down a little bit of rain coming through, but we're going to see what that weekend forecast looks like for you. Excellent. Well done. You just jumped right into the weather report very nicely there, Mark. Thank well, you. I'm yes, from we'll, Grant myself, will be so. so happy. We have we, we have a guest uh, weather commentator. <laughs> we have weather from weather from Maryland. Well, Stu and I are basically in the same climate range, so it's not going to be that much different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, we'll get right into the uh, super reports here. Uh, we'll kind of go around the Zoom room and talk about some of the different features from both the November and December '88 issues. Uh, get your thoughts and, and memories on anything from these articles. And Stu's going to kick us off here. Go ahead, Stu. Yeah, Corey, I'm going to look at the rankings uh, from these respective reports. We're going to first and just do a little commentary on them and maybe some memories or impressions of the rankings and the wrestlers that were in these rankings way back when. Uh, we're going to start with November of 88. We had Star Warrior as champion in the singles division, and we'll start there. Uh, 
followed by, I'll do the top 10, Thantos, Massive, Wolf, Bishop Hell, Invincible. Have we determined if it's Kraken, Kraken, or just whatever we want to say? I'm going Kraken. Uh, Spike at number six, Mesmer at number seven, followed by Exo King, Commander Sam, and Lord Nexus. So uh, it looked like Star Warrior repeated as champion. And this is going to be something I touch on a little bit later. It's interesting, Mark, you hadn't actually named um, the championships yet. You just had a singles division and a tag team division. Was that deliberate on your part because people had different names for their titles or do you even remember? Very likely it was. Um, I know that I, I ranked them. I think I've discussed this on past shows that if they had a the major title, like what would be the equivalent of the world title uh, in an Earth-based Fed, that was kind of like, that was given a heavier weight than something that was the equivalent of an intercontinental or a U.S. title, <clears throat> something like that. Um, but yeah, I think because we didn't have distinctions between belts yet, I think that was just sort of the, okay, well, this is just, the guys who I have singles rankings for, that's the single side, and the tag side is the tag side, obviously. Excellent. And was Star Warrior a uh, fave of yours or not? Do you remember? Not particularly. I would say of the first couple of sets, well, Mesmer, a lot of people who are, you know, long time, you know, people who've known me for a long time will know that Mesmer, whenever he came out in the, the first invasion, was uh, kind of my guy for a while. Uh, I would say of the first uh original 24 my favorites were probably lord nexus and uh when i split off massacre as a singles wrestler he was he was kind of he did really well for me as a singles wrestler so i uh kind of gravitated toward him too excellent i'm gonna go ahead and read uh the the rankings of the of the second 10 just for kicks because there's some fun names in here hmm. at number 11 we had incredible badger uh followed by renegade renegade making an appearance in the top 20 uh, Splatter, Pit Viper, Billy Joe Boxer made it his initial uh, or his debut in the singles rankings. Pulsar, who unfortunately fell from number seven from the previous ranking, uh, followed by Beast Rider, Actagon, Vanity, making a move up from 16, and Battering Ram. There's, that's some good mid-card mid talent right there and some fun cards. Um, any of those names stick out to you in terms of being favorites of yours or... Uh, I liked Splatter when he came in. I do remember that. Um, the Pulsar thing, I remember he hung on for way longer than a lot of people thought he probably should have. I don't recall exactly what to attribute that to, but I do know that because, and you'll see in other parts of the newsletter where I'm begging people like, send me your stuff, I need rankings because <laughs> I get the same ones from the same people and they would tend to keep the same champions. So like if, if, Pulsar was somebody, you know, a couple of people's champs, he would hang out there. But then all it took was for that person, whoever it was, whether it was Pulsar or somebody else, to lose those couple of belts. And that would cause that, what, nine, nine point drop, nine place drop. Conversely, the same thing could happen with somebody else, like Mesmer jumped from 13 to seven, you know, just one or two people getting the belts at that point, that could make all the difference in the rankings. So, I think some of that, uh, that, that's a lot of what the, the volatility is there. But I think, you know, looking at these rankings, that's, that's a pretty good, uh, I think, representation of what the Fed was like at that time. I, you know, I, I can't really say there's anything that surprises me about who is, is where in those rankings. 
No, I would agree. I gave Billy Joe Boxer a singles push myself at one particular time. I remember he had one of the better offenses on level two. Uh, and it was just a fun character. So I, I agree with your assessment. People are kind of placed where they should be in this. On the tag side of things, we had the uh, Greek gods uh, have overtaken in this particular newsletter, the gladiators of Aethra. They are now the champions of the tag team division. About time. Uh, yeah, about time, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Always right in the world in November of 1988, the tag division of champions of the galaxy. Uh, the rankings were as such. Number one, you had the Gladiators. Number two, the Bomb Squad, who moved up from number six. Number three, the Animan of Andromeda, personal faves of mine. Number four was Titan Power, another personal favor of mine. Number five was the Norse Gods, not a personal favor. Personal of mine. favorite of nobody. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> but there they be. Uh, number six were Massive and Mesmer, followed by seven, the Henchmen. Number eight, Star Warrior and Omega, father-son team. Number nine, the Invincible Kraken and Genghis Khan. And finally, we had Bishop Hell and Death Knight. Uh, Pete Beck probably loved that team. They, I wonder they who did up most of the work in that team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Death Knight tagged in for five moves, and that was it. Yeah. So um, the Greek gods win their first championship in terms of cumulative rankings. And uh, as Chad said, all was right in the world. Uh, did you have a particular favorite tag team at this juncture, Mark? Or who would, who would have been your favorite? Do you remember? Uh, well, I didn't have Brood and Massacre together as gladiators, so I couldn't really say it would be them. But of the ones that are listed there, I mean, I, the Animen, just because of the, the tag finisher possibilities and just the I hesitate to say gimmick of the characters, but you know that that sort of uh, alien element that could be injected into it. I, I did really like uh, Battering Ram. He was of mm. all the anime, he was kind of my favorite guy. Um, I just looking at this Bishop Helen Death Knight and and some of the other you know occasionally you would see these teams pop up in the rankings that maybe weren't necessarily regular teams, and I can almost guarantee that if they made this appearance at the bottom of the rankings at this stage of the club where we didn't have a ton of members that's probably just one you know world equivalent you know galaxian tag team championship that was enough to get him in at that point so whoever had bishop hell and death maybe it's in the, the uh, around the galaxy results somewhere but that's probably all it takes at that point to to get into the rankings i do remember sometimes going oh well that's an interesting team but they're the champs, so I guess I got to put them in the rankings, even though they're not, you know, official, official. Uh, that that sort of changed later once we had more people and more teams and uh, could kind of uh, keep it more to the, uh, what do you want to say, the the uh, the canon of the GWF. But, yeah, mm -hmm. Bishop Hell and Death Knight, I'm sure Death Knight, you know, he he was just the workhorse on that, that crew. Had to have been. <laughs> Mark, a uh, quick question related to the Animen. Sorry to jump in, Stu, but uh, since you mentioned them on the tag That's team fine. rankings, um, do you recall being that they were a three-man team in the book? Uh, did you just kind of uh, kind of group them together when promoters sent in their champions? You know, say if somebody had Badger and Ram, another guy had Badger and Reptilo. Did you just kind of consolidate them into one unit? As I recall not everybody would distinguish whenever they say the anime were the champions, they wouldn't even say who it was. So you had to just kind of go, okay, well, I don't know which ones they are. Also, it could have messed things up if you had 
say Badger and Ram at number four and uh, Ram and Reptilo at seven, you know, like it could have gotten really strange. So I think I just kind of made that decision early on that the Freebird rule was in effect and sure just make them the, the three people just kind of counted for that. Whether that's fair or not, it was just easy for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Perhaps it was a given that Reptilo was not involved, kind of like Death Knight Probably, in that yeah. other tag team. <laughs> I'm thinking so. Grant, they don't mean it, Grant. Don't listen to that. One. Oh, I'm sorry, Grant. Yeah, I forgot about that. Hear the ballad of Reptilo. Yes. So Bomb Squad was Adam Blast, Commander Sam. Is that right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. I always kind of like them. So again, I mean, no real surprises there, other than the Norse gods are even in the rankings. But uh, just terrible. <laughs> Just terrible. Awful. I would I concur with my colleague from Buffalo. Just bad. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's go to December of 88 and see what we got shaken in the rankings there. And not a whole lot of changes, certainly at the top uh, in the singles division. We got Star Warrior still holding on to the belt. Well, he's not even holding on. I think he's firmly entrenched at this point. Uh, rankings uh, or the rankings from one through ten were Thantos, Bishop Hell making a move up from number four, uh, Mastiff fell to number three, followed by Wolf, Kraken, Pip Viper making a huge leap from number fourteen to number six, or Nexus also making a, a decent leap from ten to seven, Mesmer, Commander Sam holding firm at number nine, and Incredible Badger at, at number ten. So we have a big move by Pit Viper. So again, Mark, I guess he just must have won a major title for somebody to vault him. Well, this was when Pit Viper, in, in with the second invasion set, that's when he joined the Masked Assassins. I have a feeling that was probably the result of a push that some people might have been giving him because, you know, that was a, a big deal that somebody switched uh, babyface to heel. Uh I don't know that for certain, but just looking at that and knowing the timing of things, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the reason that he wound up jumping up like that. Agreed. It gave him kind of a, it, it turning him gave him, uh, or made him fresh for promoters. And yes, he was probably <laughs> in some higher profile matches due to that. Yeah. Turn. Uh, numbers 11 through 20, because there's a couple of interesting things here of note. We've got Renegade uh, followed by Splatter, and they kind of held held par in terms of Renegade moved up. Both of them moved up one spot. Billy Joe Boxer moved from 15 to 13. Uh, Pulsar moved up 16 to 14. Now, Vanity makes the jump from 19 to 15. Spike jump or falls all the way from 6 to 16. Uh, Beast Rider holds holds firm at 17. He was at 17 last month. Actagon, same with him. He stays at 18. Battering Ram. And then we have one of my all-time favorites, Killer Queen, making making the entry into the rankings at number 20. I wonder how Vanity moved up. That card is just not that good, but the character was great. Yeah, and I noticed in my summary here, because I was thinking, well, who fell out of the rankings for Killer Queen to get in? It was Exo King. Fell, fell out of the rankings yeah. completely is what I wrote. So that's, uh, I, you know, again, it's, it could have just been the case of they had a couple, all they had was, was major titles. And if they lose two or three of those, goodbye, you know, you're, you're tumbling down uh, all the way or completely off possibly. Uh, Killer Queen, I will concur with you, Stu, though. Kill, of the evil ones, Killer Queen was, was my favorite. 
I think just because I was always sort of that new wave glam rock kind of guy anyway. I like that kind of stuff. So that's just seemed like uh, he, he was had that. And he also had that Paul Stanley kiss vibe, too. So uh, between those two things, that that's why he was probably my favorite of the evil ones. Great character. I, I totally agree. I, I just, as a little bit of an aside, I played around with Vanity's card and made up some of my own stats here not too awful long ago. And just a little what if of my own, what if Vanity was actually, his skill set matched his uh, character in terms of just being, he's a great character. And I made him a great contender and just ran some matches with him. So that was kind of fun. I always wish there had been a, there was a slightly upgraded Vanity, but I always wish he'd been a little bit better. But, yeah. I love the character. The tag division, uh, Greek gods hold on to the championship belt, and the rankings are as follows after that. Gladiators hold on to their number one position. Anaman of Andromeda move up to number two from number three, and Titan Power uh, move up to number three from number four. Sadly, the Norse gods move up from number five to number four. <laughs> Why are these guys still, still hanging around? <laughs> Uh, number five, Massive and Mesmer. So that team had some stay in power. Um, the Henchmen at number six, Bomb Squad at number seven, Star Warrior and Omega uh, holding steady at number eight, uh, Kraken and Khan again holding steady at number nine, and also holding steady at number 10, Bishop L and Death Knight. Um, Massive and Mesmer, did, is, was that a team that you used as well due to your liking of uh, Mesmer, Mark? Or? I had Mesmer mostly as a singles wrestler just because mm -hmm. I liked him so much. I think that was just, I just kept him in singles push. He was he was heavyweight champ for me some. Uh, he usually held more of the, the secondary titles. Uh, but yeah, I don't recall, honestly, I don't even know if I ever teamed him with Massive. Uh, if it was, it was a very fleeting kind of thing. I do find it funny that the issue before this, in my summary, I said, wow, you know, Bomb Squad, that's the one I should have said to watch out for. And then now Bomb Squad falls five places and everybody that was right below them just shifted up one. That's really all that, that happened with those rankings. So, so much for Sam and Adam on that one. Yeah, they fell all the way to seven. Did you do, I don't know if we discussed this before, but just curious, did you ever turn Mesmer or did he stay babyface for you the entire time? uh way later down uh the line yeah he it was not uh not at the same time that it happened in the in the canon but uh eventually i did kind of bow to it because you know i i i didn't want to make him a heel even though the character just screams to be a heel but totally, I, totally. I just yeah so yeah i i i don't remember at what point it was i think i probably held out about a year or maybe a couple of sets before I went, okay, yeah, I gotta, I think it just makes sense to do this now. So fly little evil cloaked one fly. <laughs> I, I did the same. I mean, that drawing to me never screamed hero. I mean, or baby face that yeah. he was, he was a heel uh, very quickly on or very quickly for me. Um, guys, you have any comments or if general things you want to talk about or say with regards to the rankings before we close this one off? I think if you look in the results later, uh, one of my cards actually has Massif and Mesmer as a team. So uh, I, I may be to blame for part of that, although they weren't my tag champs. Well, if they weren't champs, then you were not to blame for that. All right. I just, I, I, don't, I don't want to take the blame for this. <laughs>
I think people were probably at that point just looking for a team out of that group. Yeah. You know, and because yeah. you had a lot of people in there that were kind of singles, you know, other, other than, you know, Sam and Blast. I mean, you, you had a lot of singles guys in there that they were probably just looking to team up a couple. Agreed. Was, was Mesmer in the FTF? Okay. Yeah, he was. All right, Corey, I think that did a pretty good job of covering the rankings from November and December of 1988. Yes, nice job, Stu. Thank you. Uh, next up, Chad's going to talk about some of the uh, promos featured in these issues for the Invasion 2 set. Go ahead, Chad. So, fans, a long time ago, before there was a thing called the Internet, there was a thing called Mail. So when you would get these things in your mail and open it, and there would be pictures of four new characters, it was pretty mind-blowing. Um, so on the cover, we have Amazonia and Earthquake. And then inside, we have The Punisher, not The Galactic Punisher, and The Jester, not The Mad Jester. And I think what the observant person will check, see right away, is that the nameplate is very different. Um, but that's not the nameplate that ended up on the cards, if I recall. Um, it looks even a little different than that. But um, yeah, I remember opening this and just going, holy cow, more new characters, you know? And um, Tom has an article in the uh, November issue talking about the Galactic Punisher. He says, imagine the main event of Phantos and Bishop Halligan, and Star Wars and the Galactic Punisher. The mega powers, forget it, Vince McMahon, these are the galaxy powers. Um, next, we have uh, Earl Goodman, who guessed correctly the four mystery members of the Masked Assassins, Executioner, Death Knight, Splatter, and Pit Viper. And that was a shocking betrayal, like Mark said, it was the first, um, it was the first turn in, in the GWF as, as we knew it. Um, you know, turns that had happened before, like Wolf and everything, they didn't take place while we were playing. So it was a huge thing. He joined Splatter to form the team, the Blood Brothers. And then there was another contest to determine who was going to take on Darkos and his masked assassins. And they'll speak to that in the next issue. And it is kind of a dud. Um, <laughs> for, for those of us bemoaning the Norse gods earlier. Um, there is a mention of the bounty hunter and his manager, Raynard Beguile. And he'll be going after Wolf and the Animan. And then we have the Mad Jester, and he will be going after Mesmer. And can Mesmer survive the Jagged Ed finisher? And what else do we have here? Talks about Massive starting a tag team with Earthquake that will be called Powerhouse. And then another contest idea the lovely Amazonia is pictured on the cover of someone's valet. Can you guess who? The answer might shock you. I thought she was going to go with the Great God, so I guessed wrong. I, I didn't. Uh, hit that one at all. So, Mark, any recollections from, you know, these kind of teasers? Um... The first thing that I want to mention is this layout is annoying me with the, the page, with the Punisher and the Jester, the way that the, I have text on the upper right and the lower left, and mm -hmm. you have to go upper right to lower left to read. That's just wrong. I should have not done it that way, but I was 15, so be kind to me. I, uh, I was the same age. <laughs> I didn't mind. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that for some reason, I feel like that's how the program I was using just formatted it that way. But really, honestly, okay. that's just that's that's bothering the crap out of me. <laughs> it's OK. We'll let it slide. It's been 30 years. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I might have had I know that I well, just getting the information, you know, from Tom 
meant that I had it, you know, a couple of weeks maybe ahead of everybody else. So that was kind of neat. I think yep. I've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I guessed Amazonia right either. Uh, don't remember who I can see why you would have said the Greek gods, you know, like Amazon, you know, kind of like a goddess. Yeah, type. yeah that I, I totally get your your thought process on that. Tom did call me marvelous Mark Ashby at the end. So that was, you know, very nice of him. Oh, I missed uh, that. Sorry. Yeah, I know. No, that's okay. I just <laughs> looking at it. Um, so are we talking about both November and December with this one, or you just want to stick with November? For well, let's stick with November, then we'll jump to December. So any other okay. thoughts about November? Like, were there any guys, you know, regardless of when you saw this, that you were really excited for or pumped for based on this, you know, on this teasers or these pictures? I would probably say of the ones that are here, probably the Jester, just because he was going after the guy that I liked the best. Right. And wanted to know what Jagged Edge was all about. And just the idea that this, you know, who is this crazy guy and how are you going to wrestle in that hat? Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I would say it was probably the Jester. I do remember seeing the Punisher and just kind of going generic, good guy, generic, good guy. Uh, mm-hmm. earthquake you know like well okay he's the big dude you know we got a team of big dudes and you know amazonia having uh finally a women's presence in the game i'm, I'm sure i thought that was that was pretty cool too but yeah of these four i would say jester probably okay. Okay. so then we'll jump to december and basically the most of the beans get spilled um because by the time this comes out tom says that uh most people should have this in their hands on between December 7th and December 13th. But I guess we need to backtrack. The most important thing in this column is that on December 3rd, Tom will be married. So December 3rd, 1988. So anybody wants to send Tom and Leslie Filsinger an anniversary card, now you know their anniversary. 33 years. How he got a date to begin with, no one (laughs) (laughs) How any of us have ever gotten a date. Um, so let's see. Then Tom speaks of spilling the beans. Speaking of spilling the beans, Amazonia's valet for the Netherland Wolf. And wait till you hear why. The masked assassins are facing a powerful new team in the GWF called the Supreme Gods, Actagon, Proteus, Man Mountain, and Lightning. Ugh. Ugh. You kind of <laughs> fell off as you said all of those names. Yeah. Like, Actagon, Proteus, Man Mountain, and yeah, I thought, I thought I was being subtle. <laughs> I'm an actor, sir. I, 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 <laughs> nothing gets past me. Uh, then we have the manager, Solaris, God of Light. And again, when I saw him, I'm like, wow, he is not what I was picturing for that. <laughs> um, and then Tom speaks of the GWF Information Handbook is a promoter's paradise. Where do you see the listings of uh, all the GWF characters? And it was really cool because that was the first um kind of handbook since the first uh, expansion where it really listed out everybody gave a bio and kind of spoke to everything that everybody was doing. So that was a cool format. Um, there's a new match introduced by Spike called the Aether and Ultimate, Ultimate Escape Match, which I was never a big fan of the Escape the Cage rules. So to me, that one, I mean, it was cool, but I'm just like, oh, everybody's running. It shouldn't be the other way around, uh, but not the name. Yeah, we didn't have any other artwork, I don't think, in this one, but um, kind of let to have it. And and still, with those other, you know, kind of teasers, it really built the excitement for that new set and, and waiting to get it and waiting to read up on everybody. 
Certainly the announcement of who the Supreme Gods were built up that excitement. I mean, it did. I, I, I recall I fell off my chair. Corey might have <laughs> recall her. Cody is for sure excited to be teamed yeah, up with us. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, at least they don't have to wrestle each other anymore. <laughs> yeah. I think the big thing about this one was, uh, well, obviously the, the set was out to a lot of people by then. Right. But the information handbook uh, with starting with all of the, the official like rules for new matches, not just like a Titan death match uh, that that started getting the ball rolling there. So just little by little, like every set of these early sets was just like adding just like another thing. OK, we got tag finishers now, DQ finishers. Oh, we got a, a valet in here now. Now we've got uh, wrestling managers. Uh, so right. it, just the, the building of all of that kind of thing and just having more characters, having more possibilities for feuds and teams. Uh, I think with this second invasion that that's really where it kind of started to to become really like a, a fully functioning fed where you could have a lot of different possibilities that if somebody jumped in at that point, I can see why they might have just kind of kept rolling with what was already offered to them. But, you know, those of us who were there in the early days, we had to kind of make it up or, you know, make our own characters to, to fill things out. But right. at this point, I think we had we had plenty to, to go with. Yeah, because when you when you know we'll probably review the the set in a few weeks, but you know when you get the set, there's there's seven managers and there's five wrestlers. So you know, and even though the, the man some of the managers had wrestling stats, they kind of became your enhancement talent uh, for the federation uh, prior to Ursa Major or the uh, Black Hole Bart or Astro Turk. But it it was good to have them. I, I, I do remember, and, and I know we'll talk about this further on down the road, but I remember some blowback from, from the promoters that, you know, we just got a set of 12 cards and there's only five guys, mm. you know, in, in here as far as wrestler cards. And, and but like, like Mark, like you were saying, I really felt that this is when it really kind of became more of a well-rounded fed that kind of mirrored what was going on in professional wrestling at the time and you had managers you had valets you had all these different things and all these different opportunities now and all these different little card gimmicks and things like that going on that that really made it, it made it feel like everything had kind of come together and i think this this was a very good set for that kind of thing mm -hmm. Well, wait till we get to 2090 when there's only four new wrestlers and one of them's a guy with a tag only finisher. <laughs> I remember that because I remember that too. It's like, oh, well, who's going to be my rookie of the year? This is a pretty thin race. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this did really make it like a, a real wrestling federation. Excellent. All right. Next up, uh, Tim is going to talk about the uh, GWF history articles. Go ahead, Tim. So when last we left the unofficial GWF history that Mark was writing, Star Warrior and Omega had pretty much gone out and recruited their good guy teams for the, uh, the, the first 12 for the, the, the original set. And so in November, we talk about now Thantos going out and recruiting his bad guys uh, for, uh, for his side of the, uh, the equation. I uh, thought it was very interesting. You go through, you talk about, you know, Comrade Terror kind of being his first guy and his right-hand man right off the bat. So I thought that was good. Um, talked about him being a terrorist in, in the, uh, the dreaded ISRB, the Intergalactic Society of Rebellious Beings, uh, which 
which uh, there, there's some there's some shut up, you guys, right shut there. up. <laughs> That's awesome. We got to bring them back. Yes, we do. <laughs> that we need fantastic. more people out of there. Um, <laughs> and talked a little bit about kind of an executioner with the tri- time travel thing, kind of the, the evil ones with their robotic parts and how that all kind of came about. Um, the one thing, though, go, go a couple things, I guess. So, so Mutant was the survivor of a nuclear war who was purchased from a mental institution for 2000 credits. Um, so I'll have to ask you about that. And then, I have a story. Uh, I can get you canceled on, these days. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, they go talk to, to, to Kraken, who was probably pissed off that nobody knew how to pronounce his name. Uh, but then his first name was Ottoman, uh, which I, I, you know, he was probably pissed that people used to call him like Hassock or Footrest all the time. <laughs> so, uh, but it was a nice story about how, you know, going in and recruiting him uh, to, to go against the, uh, the Flying Titans. And then the, the thing that kind of brought me back to Mutant was when, uh, when they were recruiting the, the gladiators of Brute Massacre and Wolf, one of the things that, that, Santos told them to kind of get them to come in was that, hey, you know, th- this is about money. You get paid for this. And, you know, if you win a match, you could win 50,000 credits. And I'm thinking, so if you win a wrestling match, you get 50,000 credits, but you can buy a guy from a mental institution for 2,000. And I thought that was a little bit out of whack. Um, but, but Mark, I'll, I'll turn it over to you and let you kind of uh, uh, fill me in here and, and, and tell me uh, where, where I've gone wrong in my thinking. You haven't gone wrong. Uh, it's just, I, I can tell you where that idea of this sort of dystopian, you know, like being able to buy mentally deficient folks came from, or at least, you know, something that, you know, you could just sort of black market kind of do. Uh, the TV version, at least the American version of the uh, Max Headroom TV show, the pilot version of that show uh this is going to go a little deep. I'll try to be as quick about it as I can. But Edison Carter, the, the guy who got turned into Max Headroom, his like, you know, memory banks and all of that got turned into Max Headroom. He was presumed dead at this like facility. I would hesitate to call it a hospital. Um, and his, one of his former co-workers calls up to this morgue-like place and is trying to find out if he's there. And the lady's like, yeah, he's here. You want him alive or dead? And so uh, she's like, you mean he's still alive? So she basically goes down and has to pay a fee to get him out of there into her care. I'm 99% sure that that story was in my head when I came up with, with that whole mutant thing. So there's, there's where you get it from. But, you know, we, we got to have a little dystopia in our GWF. That's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually one of the things, looking at this, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but me looking at it, 32 years later stuff that i've written i'm just oh god why did i say it that way or whatever i'm actually kind of proud of the mutant thing i really <laughs> am there's like an actual plot there <laughs> rather than was, just i mean honestly i mean thinking about being 15 years old and, and writing all this and co- creating all this backstory out of just you know here's here's a bunch of 24 cards I, I, it is really uh, amazing. I'm just kind of busting your chops on this, but uh, deservedly um, so. <laughs> but but I mean, it really was. I, I mean, you really did a great job going back and really kind of coming up with all this history and try to make so many things kind of make sense uh, out of out of what we had. 
and then it got crapped on later but you know i did what i could at the time well, <laughs> hey, i loved it hey mark none of, none of us have our 15 year old work being <laughs> exactly dissected like you are oh you're gonna see my <laughs> shitty 15 year old booking in this issue yeah oh yeah i, I, I yeah the, the 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 yeah i won't give away the yeah but i saw that and i was like are you kidding me so um, I was 15. But yeah, I know. Yeah. And I, yeah, you don't have any of my, you know, double space book reports or anything like that to go back and, and throw stones at, which would have been pretty easy to throw stones at. So. It's all right. That's the nature of being in public, public eye. You know, you put your stuff out there, you got to be ready for it all and posterity as well. Well, luckily for you, nobody listens to our podcast. So that's yeah, okay. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what, what parts, I guess, going through and writing after you kind of detailed getting all the good guys together, I mean, what, what parts of this other, you know, the mutant thing was kind of, kind of interesting. Um, and he was, he was actually probably the, the most engaging of, of all the guys uh, that, that, that were discussed. But I mean, what, what other things do you remember about going back and writing this particular part in the history? Well, looking at it, you know, again, this is all retrospect. Um, the, I, the, the thought that I had to kind of fill in these blanks, some of it feels a little bit either just kind of glossed over or, you know, shoehorned in a little bit. But I do feel like I did a decent job in giving everybody at least something of a story or at least explaining the characters like, you know, when you have Brute and Massacre there, how like, you know, Brute, you know, what did I say here? If his intelligence was measured on a one to 10 scale, he'd be no higher than a four. But his coach could probably surpass a 10. Uh, so, you know, just filling in all of that, like, okay, Massacre's the brains, Brute's the brawn. Uh, trying to do it in a as small of a space as possible, because gosh, this already took up, what, three pages of an eight page newsletter. Uh, so, you know, that, that's plenty. I, I probably could have cut it down even more than that. Just trying to make it all fit was, was what I was um, trying to do. That, that's just, you know, the, the whole, for me, I've said it in the last podcast, I'm just, in my own mind, I have to have things be complete. So this was just really my way of making it complete, if for nobody else other than me. But since I had the form of the newsletter, I was going to make everybody else follow along as well. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And so then in December, now that everybody's got their, their groups together, we start talking about putting the finishing touches on this and getting it ramped up and, and getting it in an arena and putting on a show. So I thought it was interesting. You had Pulsar come up with the, the, the idea to use wrestler names instead of using their real names. Cause who'd come to see, you know, Joe Smith, Russell, let's come up with cool names and we'll, we'll do that. Um, and, and then it kind of went into too, also the, the friendships and the, the formation of the groups and in Thantos sending a kind of a, a telegram where he's trash talking Omega and then really leading up to that first show um, on November 12th, the Demos uh, be there, or be square, uh, the return <laughs> of the, the GWF with uh, Exo King versus Vanity on the good guy side is the first match. And, uh, you know, setting up a tournament for the title and, and, uh, and, and then kind of at the end going into the whole Society of Death, the Pit Viper attack, which I thought was good because that was something that I think a lot of people were, 
trying to create their own backstory for. So I guess kind of go, go into that a little bit and just kind of uh, the, the, the process behind put, putting that piece of the history together. Yeah, it's it's all sort of like, you know, laying the groundwork for, for other stuff. I don't know if foreshadowing is really right because we it's, it's, you know, it's more like the backstory, filling in the backstory. But yeah, like you say, with Pit Viper getting his scars and, and why he had to have the, uh, the, the half mask or why he chose to put the half mask on. And just, you know, subtly setting up things like Vanity is going to, we've been setting that up ever since we met him, actually. Um, but, <laughs> but you talk about that, well, it's a blipgram, not a telegram, but I had Santos sign himself off as Mangle Fully Yours, which is not the most, it's, it's original. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny to think like, you know, 32 years down the road, and I'm, this was supposed to be 100 years in the future. But the way that I, I formatted, like the, the way that the card is, you can just imagine seeing that on like an old timey poster, you know, with the, the pictures of the guys and, and all of that. And so maybe in my head, I had it that way. But why would it be that way 100 years in the future? <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, this was just, again, I'm just trying to set up stuff that we knew was coming now that we had a couple more sets. And maybe, you know, knowing that Pit Viper does have this heel turn, uh, now that I knew that, I might have been even setting some of the, the groundwork for, for that in here. Yeah, it's just storytelling. I was always just kind of a storyteller. I always wanted to to make the, the plots make sense, whether I did or not. I'm not exactly sure. But also putting in other arenas here, like I say, the Callisto Centroplex mm -hmm. and, and some of those, you know, starting started getting uh, mentioned in here. Uh, yeah, it's just fill in the blanks writing. Uh, <laughs> that's... <laughs> To, to make it make it all make sense please and I, I remember I, I when when and and I, I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit here but when did that list of of the arenas the original list come out because that was so helpful to me when I was doing this and seeing because we had the, the list of the arenas and where they were and what the capacities yeah. were and stuff like that yeah well my brother and I were always big astronomy buffs so we knew like all the the major moons and Ask, you know the big asteroids uh things like that so we i know that we came up with most of those ones if not all of them in that initial bunch it couldn't have been much later than this so uh i don't know that's that's a good question for someone who has a, a firmer grasp on the past than i do uh, maybe that is documentable somewhere in, in uh, one of these super reports i'd have to look though i'll look through my binder thank not you get all right on that so I think I think that that pretty much covers the uh, the history for for these two. So I think we're we're going to go back to Corey for uh, the Federation Fanatic of the Month. Yes. So in these issues, we had two Federation Fanatics uh, for the month of November, and then one in the month of December. And in the thing they have in common is they're all named Dave or David. Uh, in November, we had uh, David Fisher. Uh, he lists his nickname as Goliath. Uh, David was from Lexington, uh, Massachusetts. And he talks about his reasons why he should be Federation Fanatic of the Month because of his intensity toward the game and his willingness to share his information with other Galacticans. Now, sidebar here, Galacticans, was that in the vernacular? I don't remember seeing that in the, in the other issues we've read so far. Was, uh, did anybody else ever use that term? I don't recall it. Okay, okay. <laughs> that just caught my eye there. <laughs> yeah. But he, uh, he talks about matches that he made, and then one of them is uh, featured down below, the Tower of Destruction. And 
the bakery battle bonanza, which kind of became a little bit of a cult favorite, as I recall, in, the, in those days among promoters. Um, and this, this one really caught my eye. He said he's working on a COTG activities book with puzzles and games about the GWF that is ready to be mailed out. Um, it just, Did that happen? Yeah. Do you yep. remember on that? It did it? Okay. Okay. Yeah, it did. That definitely, I, I remember actually, it might have been at Galacticon where, where he passed around a copy of that. Okay. I have one. I got one in the files here. Oh, there you go. Excellent. Excellent. I'm a pack um, rat. <laughs> and then he talks about uh, what he uh, did with Wolf. He had Wolf team with his brother named Jackal, and they were the Howling Masters of Mayhem. And he also says that he likes to do the until sign-offs uh, in a lot of his uh, communications. So good little bio there about uh, David Fisher. Uh, Mark, any, any memories other than what I just said here about, about David Fisher? I do remember David was one of the, uh, like, really active guys in the early days of the Fed and, you know, the first few Galacticons uh, that he attended. Uh, I also remember really using this Tower of Destruction uh, more than once it's kind of a you know the whole tower of doom thing but i, I remember that the rules worked out really well when i did it uh the the first match that i had i'm trying to remember who was in it but i do remember thinking like it came down to it was it was not a blowout it was actually you know one of those matches it was down to the wire like if it was actually booked uh so but yeah as far as as he goes he had like uh david had like a serious side and then a goofy side and sometimes they mixed where you <laughs> that's where the bakery battle bonanza and things like that happened uh yeah he was just he was a really active guy uh i, I don't want to say that he burned out quickly like some of the other ones did he didn't uh, stick with it maybe as long as some of the others but yeah he was a workhorse in the early days of the of the club so uh i got nothing but good things to say about him well, we'll go to our next Dave, and that's uh, Dave Simonek, a uh, promoter we've discussed uh, with you in the past, and we also uh, talked to uh, Thomas Keene a few months ago about him and their their friendship that they have. Uh, at this time, Dave was uh, living in Johnson City, New York, and he says that he should be the Federation fanatic because he was the very first person to write to Tom, uh, showing his, his loyalties, those are his words, and um, he's appeared in several different wrestling magazines endorsing the game. Um, created his own characters. Uh, he talks about his kind of theme super cards that he had. Uh, he's talked about um, strange main events such as Halloween Horrors 88 where there was a 12-man elimination match <laughs> and losers wear huge pumpkin heads and suits until Thanksgiving. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't say that without laughing. <laughs> Jim Hurd got the idea for Cornette. <laughs> <laughs> That is booking oh, gold right there. That is, yeah, I think that needs to come back. <laughs> um, and then he also talks about that he, he traveled uh, 360 miles to meet you personally. Uh, he talks about the, the titles that he was sanctioning, including the first blood cage match, another uh, thing that we've discussed here about, about Dave. Um, he's had some storylines such as Proteus becoming Actagon's master, um, a mock marriage of Killer Queen and Vanity with Bishop Ella's priest. Uh, people have attempted. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Every emotion you're feeling, Corey, is justified. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh... <laughs> 
he's this this one. I, I, I this is an interesting one. He said people have attempted to declaw Wolf. <laughs> um, that was he just kept, a very. He kept getting into the couch. I mean, he's yeah. tearing it up. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he and he just kind of ends by saying he just tries to make the game as realistic as possible. So you can definitely see even in these early days. Yeah, um, oh, you could see the realism there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I was gonna. I was gonna say. Of his time in some respects. Go ahead. Yeah. Yep. I was gonna say you could just see Dave's enthusiasm and passion for the game right right from the start. Um, but yeah, having met uh, Dave prior to this, uh, Mark, uh, any memories about about Dave? Dave was the guy who just threw everything at the wall, absolutely everything. And you know, some of it I just remember reading and going, "Oh my!" Well, you you can see it right there. But you got to say he was ahead of his time with the whole killer queen and vanity thing. But he he did get really hung up on that. I remember that was like a super major story. That was not a throwaway for him at all. That was not just a B-roll. Uh, that was that was front and center in his Fed for a while. So read into that what you will. Um, Dave, I mean, Dave and I, people who have been around a long time know that our relationship didn't end that well. That's all I'll say about that, um, especially because Dave's no longer with us. But um, yeah, mm. it, you can't really uh, say anything other than the fact that he was so involved with this from the beginning that, uh, you know, he deserved being Federation fanatic. He probably deserved to be the very first Federation fanatic of the month, to be honest. Um, he, he just had a, he was full of ideas. That's just everything that you ever read with Dave in here. It was, none of it was cookie cutter. None of it was by the book. He, he did his own thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, uh, then in December, our Federation fanatic is David Mitchell, who is from Akron, Ohio, about uh, 45 minutes from where Tom was living at the time. Um, he said, <laughs> I like how he starts off, he says, I was put on this wonderful earth for one reason. I think I might be voted Federation fanatic of the month. So <laughs> good, good. Uh, I'm another... so glad I could fulfill his dreams. I mean, yes. That's, nice. high. That's it. Shoot, shoot for the moon. Shoot yep. for the yep. stars, baby. You're a dream maker, Mark. <laughs> uh, um, he even talks about uh, wanting to uh, make a card for himself and to beat up Thantos or form a team with Star Warrior or scare the daylights out of vanity. Um, and he says he goes beyond considering himself a fanatic, but a lunatic. And says the more. But that's more not alliterative, Federation lunatic of the month. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't fly. Uh, no, no, it wouldn't work. Uh, just and just, just says the the more he plays, the uh, the crazier he gets. He makes a prediction uh, for I'm assuming for the Invasion Two set uh, that Pulsar would get a manager, uh, Bounty Hunter would be too much for Wolf, and a new wrestler would shock the GWF and win the heavyweight belt. Um, and he says that all the hype behind the masked assassins, there would uh, they would not be successful in the GWF. And he makes makes some other predictions as well that uh, the promoters can read. Um, but yeah, you can see again, once again, a very, a very passionate, uh, Federation fanatic. Uh, did you have any contact with David Mitchell? Uh, in these early years? Yeah, he was, he had a lot of around the galaxies as far as I remember. Um, he, <laughs> it's just, uh, <laughs> just laughing at the fact that, you know, this, this was like a huge honor for these people, you know, <laughs> the, the, like they were competing, you know, pick me, pick me. It, it you know, I, I was kind of like the, the beauty pageant. <laughs> or something like that um yeah david he was um 
again, another very active guy. I know that his rankings were pretty volatile, as I recall, but I, he, he did keep it fairly by the book, from what I remember. Um, it's just also funny to me that all of these fanatic you know any pictures that we got most of them were just you know here's us in our school pictures we got you know the the blue background and our nice shirts that we wore for the day for, this is our, our the only pictures that we have because this was <laughs> we didn't have cell phones back then to take pictures and selfies of ourselves so everything yeah. was a school picture it's just <laughs> hilarious to me but yeah they, he was he was a big contributor in the in the first couple of years of the club for sure Cool. Um, yeah, before we go on to our next segment, just wanted to mention uh, in the December issue after David's profile, uh, we have a couple of new uh, Club Galactica members listed. Uh, Axel Guest from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, uh, Ernest Dickey from Nashville, and Myron Coleman from Harvey, Illinois, somebody who has uh, been well known for many years. So, Made his All mark right. on, the, on the, the fan base, yes. Absolutely, yes, yes. All right, uh, we're gonna go back to Tim here, who's gonna discuss some of the special matches featured in these issues. Tim, take it away. So I, I think it was interesting. We kind of touched on the uh, the Tower of Destruction that that David Fisher came up with, and with the stacked cages, the three cages, and you start at the top and work your way to the bottom. And I think I might have done that match once, and and I I think I had a good experience with it too, as, as much as I can remember. I'd have to go back and and look at my old results, but. Um, I just remember reading, reading that after the fact, because I think I came into Club Galactica after this. And I remember when we put together a, uh, like a compendium of special matches, I saw this and, and thought it was pretty cool and wanted to try it out. Um, but I thought that was, that was a really good match. I thought it was well thought out. Um, I thought it was funny how in, in, in Dave's, uh, uh, bio too, he talks about like, all these matches about barroom brawls and tar and feather and knockout boxing and electric whip and feud island on Hawaii where wrestlers can actually die. Uh, so I guess I can't blame Myron Coleman for bringing, bringing <laughs> the, uh, the death match where somebody dies into the, into the Fed. But um, uh, I just thought that was, it just, it was amazing what people were doing out there. And then, you know, in, in Dave, too, he had his rules for his knockout, his KO boxing match, where, where basically you're wearing boxing gloves and you've got to, you've got to knock your opponent out to, uh, to, to win the match. Um, but it's just amazing what people were coming up with. And I mean, were you getting a lot of these submissions with people just sending, you know, special matches and stuff like that in, as well as rankings and things like that, or... I believe these two probably kind of opened up the floodgates as far as them coming my way. I probably saw one or two, uh, you know, especially Dave's because he, he and I had had some correspondence by that point. So I'm sure he probably sent me a few of those. But I, I have a feeling that uh, having them, you know, just starting off in the new, the, the club list, what, November Club Galactica, that probably spurred some more people who were thinking about hey i wonder what kind of match i can make and then seeing that you could do it fairly easily like this tower of destruction could have been made way more complicated than than david fisher made it and it was really streamlined and it made something that could be so complex really simple to do you could follow the rules really easily same with the ko boxing it's just like okay you're not allowed to go out of the ring don't you use the out of the ring that's now mm -hmm. you know series of punches can't leave 
you just get knocked unconscious when your pin reaches 12. Every time you're successfully pinned, add one to your pin. So I think when people saw it could be easily done, that probably made it more likely that I got those submissions and, and things like, you know, the, the companion things where we put it all in a compendium uh, mm -hmm. that, that made that kind of thing possible. And I know too, we talk about uh, in, in, in the newsletters too, we also mentioned the, the latest official special match, which was that eighth and ultimate escape match, which is probably one of the least you, and, and I actually didn't mind the gimmick. I mean, I understand the, the, you know, the, the goal is to run away. Uh, so it, it, it doesn't quite fit with the gladiators uh, mindset, but I, I always kind of use that very sparingly and, and tried to make that a very special thing when it did happen. And I know, especially you know, down the road, when we got to the, the gladiator civil war, that became kind of a, a big deal. Um, and that was kind of the big blow off to this, this whole thing. But I thought it was an interesting match and, and it, uh, it, it really, I, I think, uh, kind of was unique in its, in its take on things. So I thought that that was something as well that came out of, uh, the official, uh, you know, um, matches that we had for the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right. So now we're going to look at some of Chad's horrible booking in the supercard results. Well, we uh, can follow we're... it. He goes November to December. We got a, you, you, we got a path you, here. Yeah, I'm just jealous. You're you were in the <laughs> super report. So I was never in the super report. No. Yeah. All right. So if we're we're gonna look at and just pick a pick on uh, Chad a little bit, but we're also gonna look at some of the super cards that were mailed in uh, to Mark and and wound up in these uh, the report itself. Well, first let's look at David Mitchell since he was a Federation fanatic of the month. Uh, David Mitchell, he had or he held the GWF Wrestling Rampage, and I'm just going to look at the top two uh, events or the semi-main and the main. He had uh, Titan Power powered over the Greek gods to win the interplanetary tag team title. Boo, boo, boo! Although it's an interesting matchup of two face teams. Although at one point I did turn the Greek gods uh, heel, so maybe he had done the same. Um, I guess I'm going to look at the top three events. Dantos made Bishop Hell submit to retain the Intergalaxian title. That's a feud I had at one particular point. A little heel on heel action. And then Wolf finished off Star Warrior to regain the GWF title for the second time. So that was the culmination of GWF wrestling rampage for David Mitchell. Now let's go to promoter, uh, loyal promoter Chad Olson from Leland, Iowa, who has <laughs> submitted his results. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go through the, the entire card on this one. It's not too long. Oh dear Kipping. God. Huh? I said, oh dear God. <laughs> I was Vince work. Russo before Vince Russo was fucking Vince Russo. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, bro. <laughs> Thank you. And we'll follow this from November to December. Uh, he kicked things off with a 10-man scaffold battle royal. And here's the summary. Crockett got rid of Lord Everybody Nexus. broke their legs. That's the <laughs> that Everybody happened. got thrown off the scaffold. I just want to say legs. that usually <laughs> Mark put, like, everybody just wrote beats. So he's the one who does the phrasing because there's something yep. a little inflammatory coming up in this match. All right. Oh, all right. So we got Crockett got rid of Lord Nexus, then the Bomb Squad. Billy Joe Boxer threw off Omega and Grokken. 
but mutant tossed off Billy Joe Monster. <laughs> we have to edit that. Uh, no, <laughs> we're keeping that in. <laughs> you Billy Joe fell. <laughs> Billy Joe fell off the scaffold with a smile on his face. <laughs> Hey, you're the ones with the minds in the gutter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I read that earlier today and I laughed for about five minutes. <laughs> Wolf. All right, let's get this thing back on track, shall we? Wolf got rid of Brute, Massacre, and finally Mutant to win. So Wolf, uh, Wolf just turned on the Jets at the end of that match and won the it took, now info. It took huh? Mutant a while to fall because his hands were stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Wolf was mad that Mutant didn't do that to him. <laughs> oh, we're getting banned in India tonight. <laughs> Explicit's going all over this. No. All right, that was followed, and that's a tough one to follow, fans. Uh, Beast Rider defeated Death Knight. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Used oh. pulverize. Wait, wait, wait. So you're saying the scaffold battle royal was the opener? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was the opener. <laughs> Followed by Beast Rider defeating Death Knight. <laughs> then Vanity used the pulverizer to beat Comrade Terror. That's a bit of an upset. Splatter beat Executioner and, and unmasked him. Or, or uh, demasked him, him, according to the report. Demask is a slight difference. <laughs> I'm still getting over the 10 minute scuffle. Battle <laughs> uh, massive and Mesmer won over Pit Viper and Pulsar. Star Warrior knocked Thantos off the scaffold. Wait, did that come back? Wait, Austin, I don't remember. <laughs> hey, it's there. You might as well use it again. Well, that's what, that was my question. Did it stay up all night? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you got to get your miser. You can't tear those things down. I mean, that's true. It's like yeah. when we set up a cage for an indie show. You put that sucker up, you're getting two matches out of it. There you go. Oh, my yeah. So they just went up back up and started fighting. Well, they hey. cleaned it up. <laughs> Bada bing. In a cosmic cage match, the Greek gods defeated Bishop Hell and Killer Queen. That, that's an interesting pairing. So, so did the cage go around the scaffold? <laughs> that's what I wanted to know. I mean, they have like a gravity that? laser beam thing. I don't know. Oh, okay. Okay. At, at this point, was mutant okay, is all I <laughs> want to know. <laughs> it's these working conditions that led my ring crew to go on strike for so many years. <laughs> years. And <laughs> And then the card culminated in a cosmic cage match with GWF champion Spike beating junior heavyweight champion Renegade to unify the championships. So there so, you have it. So Spike was a junior heavyweight? <laughs> no, they were just like, you know, hey, we're going to get rid of this belt. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I was I, gonna say, it sounds like somebody didn't want a junior heavyweight belt around anymore. Yeah, I have like, I have like four defenses. I'm like, this is dumb. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is dumb scaffold battle royals are where it's at. <laughs> Think of a full month to recover from this. <laughs> All right. No, here's the next question, Chad. This is Rage in the Cage 6. <laughs> yes, it is. it is. I forgot to say that. But there were only three sets at the time. <laughs> yeah, that's no, six. Like, it was like a series. Okay, okay. All right. Six Rage in the Cage. It was like Saturday's <laughs> Made of Honor Clash of the Champions. Okay. It wasn't okay. like once a year. Okay. 
<laughs> that, that's the least uh, pondering thing about this whole freaking show. I'm concerned. <laughs> oh wow! And Mutant was the happiest wrestler of the bunch. Yeah. So uh, the, the the super cards culminated uh, with Night of Champions '88, which was done by Mark Ashby, the uh, yeah. editor in chief. And I'm just going to read his last couple of matches here. Relatively tame by the standards of rage. Yeah, I can't K6. live. I'm like, why do you put me after this? I can't follow that. <laughs> it's like Beast Rider like Death Knight going on after the scaffold like, battle. Royal. I was thinking, like, they're just like, they're like, well, I guess we got to do this now. I point this out only because uh, once again we had a face-on-face tag tag match. Bomb Squad and the Greek Gods were both disqualified in a tag team title match. Were either one of those heels by that point, or do you remember? Mm, if there was, it would have been the gods. I do. Okay. I did turn both of them, and I'm pretty sure probably by this point they were. Yeah. Okay. And in your main event, in a cosmic cage match, uh, Massive kept his GWF heavyweight title from Arch Enemy Exo King, which was a classic feud. Yes. So, very nicely done, Mark. <laughs> Not as well as Chad's was. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we go. Chad, Chad starts off the Supercard reports in the December issue with his Star Clash 2. So That's let's a much go- more reasonable number. Yeah. <laughs> it is a much more. It's not Rage in the Cage 6. So we'll finish off uh, the uh, Supercard report by going through this one. In a, uh, we open things off in a taped fist match with Pulsar beating, light, beating Lightning with the Whirlwind. Wolf beat Man Mountain with a Savage Face Claw. The Wolf's a little low on the card there, buddy. Uh, I was never a big fan of him. Okay. Uh, we got a little six-man action with Omega, Massive, and Mesmer defeating Exo King, Death Knight, and the Creeper. Oh, here's a good one. In a hair versus hair match, Killer Queen stopped Beast Rider by using the checkmate and then and shaved him. <laughs> How much of him? <laughs> you didn't specify which hair. I mean, like I said, Mark was the one Mark edited this. Mark edited this. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I couldn't believe the language used in this. <laughs> Very Okay, in a brutal... I can't, I can't believe Billy Joe Boxer and Mutant weren't a tag team by now. <laughs> Dave Simon actually had that as a storyline. Yeah, they could have got married by Bishop Hill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the action continues. In a brutal Neptune bull rope, bull rope match, Renegade disposed of Vanity. That, that's a fun little feud. Uh, the Invincible Kraken won an eight-man Cosmic Cage Battle Royal. The Gladiators uh, stopped the Animan of Andromeda via the Super Destroyer. In a dog collar match, Star Warrior won out over Bishop Hill using the Nova Launch. The Greek Gods destroyed the Henchmen in a Galaxy Death match. And then here's an interesting one, too. Pit Viper won the heavyweight title from Splatter in a cosmic cage match. I'm sure both wore the, the proverbial crimson mask in that one, even though they both had masks on. But <laughs> well, they would get match. like, they would get like cut through the mask. Like in the splotch, yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, Tom, Tom Switch and Pit Viper really jacked up my real tight knit booking, my strategies I had laid out there. Star Clash 2 looked like a well laid out card, Chad. Well done, sir. 
Appreciate and then that gives you a sampling of some of the SuperCard reports that were that were uh, sent in to Mark each and every month for the wait, wait, the wait. newsletter. I call yes, bullshit Jeff. on something. We don't. We're not going to make fun of okay. David Mitchell for his alliteration of Warrior Wars '88. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You're right. Strip him of his Federation fanatic of the month for that month. Yeah, make him just the lunatic of the month. David, if you're out there, you can defend that. Otherwise, yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, All right, Corey. It's interesting just to find out what, what super card names people were using and stuff like that and so I could try and steal them. Yeah, Brian Barrow, is he still around? That name sounds familiar. He, I know he was around for a long time, but I don't yeah. know if he still is. Couldn't tell you Charlie Bennett, anybody remember him? Not beyond this. Although I did spell Millville, Millville, New Jersey. <laughs> is that a commentary on the so, town? Editorial, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Like really You've been there before? <laughs> I've never been, I've been to New Jersey. I've never been to Millville. <laughs> All, right. All right, Corey. Onward, hey. sir. Thank you, Stu. Uh, next up, we've got some uh, fan fiction or fan story as it's labeled here. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, this uh, author is one of our loyal listeners, Matt Dickendesher. Hi, Matt. Uh, Who? Matt. Who's he? Who? <laughs> um, Didn't he Matt... come up with the name for the newsletter? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't believe that's a real name. Who na who's that? Dickendesher? That's not a real name. Come on. <laughs> I guess we've never had it verified, but no, we have. <laughs> I believe it's um, pronounced Fusco. Oh yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. there you go. Oh, so but uh, anyways, this fan story is called "Where Are They Now?" slash Federation Highlight, and it, one of the things I find interesting about this is that it uh, focused on another Federation, which uh, for this point in the history of Champions of the Galaxy, you know hadn't really talked about a lot about that you know and in some ways i kind of think of the early gwf as the wwf of the 80s where in their their universe they were the only thing you know other guys accomplishments in other territories they didn't really acknowledge um so here we hear about the uh martian uh wrestling federation or the mwf and it featured some guys who had wrestled in the gwf in the past uh, the tag team of the martians that's i don't know if i'm saying this right but ento and sadio uh, we also read about the Destructor, who was a uh, legendary wrestler. He had been the uh, GWF champion for eight years up till his retirement. Also uh, had won the tag team titles with his son. Um, talked about the current MWF wrestling scene with uh, the champ being Tiny, I think is how you say that. And he had won the belt from Justone. Uh, and then also talked about the tag champs of Enzor and Sadio Jr., uh, so just a really, uh, just a really fascinating uh, story here that, that Matt put together. Um, and then you make the comment, Mark, that uh, never did I think any of my ideas would ever come to this. Mr. Dick Kandesher, if that's his name, has read my mind and seen just what the backgrounds of these characters were and where I imagined them to go. Um, you know, any, any thoughts about this MWF? You know, was there ever any possibility of this kind of becoming a part of the, the canon, the official story or, or any, 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 anything you can remember? Well, I wouldn't, I obviously, I didn't have power to make it part of the official canon, but I mean, it is kind of cool that somebody took my uh, characters that were just tossed off, you know, as like the early days of the GWF before the breaking of the code and did something with them. I just wish it wasn't Matt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, Matt. I'm kidding. We love you, Matt. Wow. <laughs> we love Matt. 
no, that was really neat. No, it, it, in all seriousness, that's really neat. Whenever you, you know, you're like 15 years old and somebody takes something that, that I did and did something with it, even though that's like another 15 year old, I don't care. Like that, that meant enough to that person that they decided to, to do something with it. So yeah, that was awesome. So this is like the unofficial, unofficial history then. Exactly. <laughs> but did, did Matt invent uh, or create Insor? Because the Insor eventually came to life. Yeah, he made him in Promoter Madness years later. Oh, okay. in, right. in the create okay. in right. one of the creative character contests. Yep. Cool. Cool. All right. Uh, so then uh, next up, Tim's going to talk about the uh, 2088 Achievement Awards. So this was uh, th this was again something something kind of interesting, kind of following along the lines of of. Uh, uh, what what PWI was doing for for their annual achievement awards and the uh, uh, kind of the just applying that to the GWF and and noting on here that that uh, you know cast your ballots and uh, let us know who you think deserves these awards and and it was originated by Mike and Kelly Rector and then adapted by Myron Coleman and so it went through and it has a lot of the same types of of uh, categories and, and things like that. We've got uh, Rookie of the Year for the Best Invasion One Wrestler, uh, Most Improved, Most Popular, Most Hated, Inspirational, Feud of the Year, Match of the Year, Tag Team of the Year, and Wrestler of the Year. And really just kind of going through all this. And then, then you encourage people to send in their unofficial things too. And I, I just thought it was kind of cool to go into this and, and kind of, uh, uh, you know, piggyback on PWI and come up with something like this for our, our fictional Fed. Yeah, it was just kind of a natural progression, I think. You know, the, the more you realize that, oh, this club actually has some staying power, possibly, and we're how many months into it now, five, six months into it, uh, you might as well start branching out. And, and we're, you know, it, looking at this, like you say, it just kind of takes me back to voting for those PWI awards. And the unofficial official awards were the the ones that I cared about the most. I was like, ah, I know who's going to win, you know, all the other stuff. It's going to be freaking Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair and all those guys. I want to see all the other things that people come up with because it gives you an insight into what's going on in their fence, too. Uh, we already had some of that, but, you know, it's just kind of neat to to see those sort of things. So, yeah, I just think this was uh, something that, you know, if it wasn't going to be done by somebody else, I probably would have done it. I would have made it an official kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll we'll follow up on on results and voting when we re review some of these uh, future issues as well. But just a great concept and a, another good idea to kind of uh, you know keep the keep the information flowing in. And I, I I thought it was funny when you mentioned earlier about you know begging people for information because I think that became more and more of a thing as years went by. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, no, I, I just thought this this was great. It it kind of rounded out again. It kind of rounds out, you know, our little fictional world, and uh, uh, kind of made it more like the fictional world of professional wrestling. So, um, but now we're we're going to move on with some of the titles and and maybe uh, getting a little bit of uh, uh, continuity here. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. And uh, Stu, you want to kick that off? Sure. So the intense Dave Fisher, uh, formerly a Federation fanatic of the month, he, he wrote a story uh, or an article, I should say, talking about titles in general. And in, in the story, he was um, a couple of points. 
he thinks that the title should be more descriptive as to what they really are uh, and, and what, what, what that title is designed to recognize, if you will. He also gets at, and he kind of comes to the end of his article by talking about that there really should be some standardized titles. And perhaps this is the first movement towards getting a GWF Galaxian Championship, a Galaxian DAG Championship, an interplanetary championship. Uh, it seems to be the first suggestion of really standardizing it so that we're comparing apples to apples in the rankings per, per chance. Uh, Mark, do you, do you have any recollection if this was actually a movement towards getting this done or any uh, uh, he, thoughts on that? Yeah, he had great points. <laughs> I mean, I can't, uh, reading it over, I was like, well, you know, I can't really quibble with any of that, you know, just saying single heavyweight belt. Okay, well, what kind of heavyweight belt? Yeah, everything is a heavyweight belt. Uh, it prefigures things like when you had cruiserweights and light heavyweight belts, uh, that, that kind of stuff. So, uh, this, I think just people who met David at, at conventions, the ones that he came to, I think would agree that he was a very detail-oriented person. Uh, he, he was thorough about things, uh, especially with what uh, sort of uh, pastries were thrown around in the bakery battle, Bonanza. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this was a good, a good thing to have because it does kind of focus us in on, okay, well, let's let's make this really mean something. Let's, let's get these belts separated out. Let's, let's start uh, making it more, you know, putting it back like what Tim and I were just talking about, making it more real in the context of what this is supposed to be comparing to other feds that have more than just a heavyweight and a tag team title. So yeah, I, I'm all, I was all for this, as I recall. I think he accomplished it. And did, I probably asked this once before, was there ever an officially sanctioned, and Chad, if I'm jumping the gun, you can tell me to shut up. Was there ever an officially sanctioned interplanetary tag title or no? Let me think about that. Was there? I think we might have for a maybe, little while. Maybe later. So. Yeah, I don't know that it lasted very long because I don't think I had enough rankings to really sustain it. Okay. I thought maybe it was one of the maybe I don't know we'll have to look look through this is 30 years in the past so to remember every little detail I know some folks out there do that I am not that kind of person uh I would say if we did it probably was a short-lived sort of thing I had I had a secondary tag belt uh, myself but uh yeah I can't say that everybody or enough people did it that, that it made the rankings make sense I had it for a brief moment in time. I will say that this article is probably what made me, like, I didn't use interplanetary at first. I think I used intergalactic or intergalaxian because that's something that was in one of the earlier newsletters. Um, so then I'm like, yeah, interplanetary does sound a little better. So I think I did made that switch. I had interstellar. Yeah, it is. It is a very well written. I mean, he, he, he he's, he, again like you were saying you're very logical and very you know just kind of step through everything and here's here's what we need to do guys you know step step in line you know get get in line here um but uh no very good i thought i thought it was a great article yeah made his points all right Corey. i think we're gonna get a last but not least a convention update from chad yep take it away chad all right yeah so in the december issue Mark poses a very important question. Um, would you come to a Club Galactica convention? 
So it uh, talks about trying to organize a convention in, in Frostburg or wherever an appropriate place would be. And David Fisher and Mark were kind of co-organizers of the event. Talked about using a um, one of David's large scale matches known as Monster Mountain with ladders and scaffolds used to climb the mountain of rings. I remember running that thing once. Um, other ideas were a costume contest. Oh boy, that'll rear its ugly head in a year and a half. Oh, role playing, role playing with the characters. We were LARPing before LARPing was still oh, not cool. Um, and Federation fanatic of the year voting at the location. So uh, a little bit ahead of its time, but we're already talk- starting the rumblings of a, of a get together with Champions of the Galaxy fans. So yeah, kind of kind of cool. I forgot it that talk of that came that early in the Super Report. Yeah, I think I would have to say that it was probably David Fisher's idea originally to have some sort of a gathering. But, you know, we were all didn't have most of us didn't have driver's licenses. Our parents certainly weren't going to let us drive to you know, hang out with weird wrestling people <laughs> hundreds of miles away. So, you know, it was it, at that point I was kind of like, eh, this might happen. This might not. You know, we might get 10 people. I do know where. I was thinking about having it. There was a, like a, it's where we all had our, our, uh, our high school had our uh, senior, junior and senior prom. There was like a hotel and it had like a, a small little convention center kind of thing behind it. And that was, it was just like a big open room, uh, you know, kind of like uh, the, when we were over at uh, Jamestown Community College, kind of looked more like that than Sheldon House, certainly. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was that was where I was thinking, well, if we do have it, that's the most logical place to go. Uh, so that was obviously didn't pan out that way. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad it didn't because Jamestown made a lot more sense. Uh, but, yeah, I, I will throw some credit David's way and, and say that we discussed it. But I have a feeling the kernel of it probably came from him before it came from me. OK, cool. Yeah. And I mean, I remember David Fisher, um, you know, like you and Tim have talked about, it was good to meet him at the convention i first he came to like the first few mm-hmm. right i don't yeah after about the fourth one i don't know if i remember him yeah he was at like the first three or four as i yeah. recall yeah so, but that, that's a story to be told down the line when we get to those issues of the mm-hmm. club galactica super report excellent yeah very cool to see that <clears throat> early talk of a convention especially given all the uh um popularity of those these days you know both uh officially sponsored ones, the one we've had several this year um, through Zoom, um, kind of quarterly small ones, you know, and uh, of course, promoters have put together their own regional ones now from uh, Icon in Iowa to um, the one out in California that Grant's done. And then I know I'm forgetting several others, but just kind of cool to see the beginnings of that in, in this early issue. So really cool. Um, so that pretty much covers uh, these two issues and promoters will put links uh, to these in the podcast notes so you can kind of read along with us and check out any other things that we didn't mention. Um, but uh, as we're kind of wrapping up this segment, uh, Mark, any, any other thoughts on, on these two issues? I, just like I say, just be kind to the fact that I was young at the time. If you see something in here that, that just strikes you as like, Mark would never say that. Well, 15-year-old Mark 
would. So, you know, different time, folks. It, it's just really cool to go back to the pre-internet days and just look at how we used to have to do this stuff and how, like Chad said, it was just cool. You got artwork. You had to wait for this stuff and you got it in the mail and you had to, you know, actually physically put a stamp on things. And, you know, it wasn't instant, instant stuff. So I'm really, I really enjoy going back through some of these things because even as we're sitting here talking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that because when Tim was talking about this whole mutant thing, I was like, oh yeah, I know where I got that story from. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's just really fun to talk with you guys. So yeah, well, uh, I'll come back anytime you want me to talk about this stuff. All right. Well, what I think is so cool is, you know, where, where we're at with the game now. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, Mark, but there's a thing now called Promoter Prime where every quarter three cards come out and they have one for the champions line. They have one for legends and then they have one for the indie wrestlers. And, you know, people, it's like, Oh, I can't wait to get the next, you know, as soon as I get promoted prime for that quarter, what's coming next quarter. And I'm thinking if there would have been quarterly cards when we were kids, Oh my God, I would have lost my mind. You know, we had a real mutant Billy Joe boxer moment. Oh my gosh, exactly. <laughs> I didn't have a scaffold, but on top of the barn, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, and just and we'll get to this eventually, but you know, when when we started getting fewer cards because guys started getting revised in 2090, but then that comes out in December and then Tom turns around and starts releasing cards in July, and then he moves to two two sets a year, you know, and it it just it helped keep building the Fed by having you know revisions, new characters, and mm -hmm. stuff. And I, I know I sound like the grumpy old man, but man, people don't know what it was like <laughs> when you only got one or two two sets a year, you know. And you never, I mean, and and I know we've addressed this too, but I mean, after that first set, you never knew if the second set was coming or not, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so you figure, well, I got 24 guys. I pretty much played it out. That was fun. And then you get the flyer and you're like, oh my God, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, whenever you'd get anything like this and then having, having the super report was nice too, because now you get monthly contact, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I mean, once I, I remember once I signed up for this, it, it was, it, it was really nice because now you're getting monthly reinforcement, whether it's, even if it's not something new, it's just, you've got other people doing things and other people, you know, coming up with ideas that then you can kind of work with and, and just kind of see what else is going on out there with all these other people and, and feel like there's some connection and you're not just alone sitting there rolling the dice. So it was, uh, it was a really cool thing. Definitely. So uh, Mark, as we kind of wrap up with you, any projects or any social media or anything that you want to plug? I'll just constantly plug uh, my uh, theater group acting out for ALS. We finally, this past weekend, as we were recording this, uh, we, we returned to live performance in a covered outdoor venue. We kind of did a retrospective uh, of uh, a lot of the shows that we had done in the past, just trying to do something where we didn't have to worry about if one person got exposed to COVID that the whole show would shut down. We kind of compartmentalized things, uh, but that was really nice. We had about 200 people come out to that. Uh, over a couple of days on the weekend the weather was very nice grant so uh, it was a little chilly a little windy kind of cloudy but you know the sun came out on sunday afternoon we had a great time with it it was a, a wonderful weekend anyway uh, no yeah that's uh acting out for als.com 
Uh, you can find out what we're doing there. Uh, hopefully, we're, we're in the works to get some live performances back, uh, like in actual theatrical spaces. And uh, you can find us on uh, on the web, on uh, Facebook, uh, Acting Out for ALS Research is, is our name there. Uh, I do have a podcast, progtopia.com. haven't contributed to it uh, recently, but if you go to progtopia.com, you can find a whole bunch of old episodes of Prog Rock that Chad hates. I try. I try to listen to them. It's like, no, still don't like it. But I try. Check it out. Not everybody's smart enough to get it, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe maybe someday I'll keep taking my vitamins and my fish oil. Excellent. Well, I, I was going to tell people that we might do a fundraiser for Mark, but not anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's off the table. Yeah, that's done. I'd rather maybe. Money. It's worth it. Maybe by the time Mark's on next, we might have an update because we do have something cooking. We'll just cool. say that. Yes. Cool. Very good. Well, Mark, thank you once again for uh, taking some time out to review and uh, uh, reminisce about the super reports. Appreciate you having uh, or taking time to do this. Always a blast, guys. Nice to see you. Always, yeah. always is. Awesome. Thank you. Um, for the last port part of the show here, we're going to kind of uh, bounce back to last week's episode, episode 27, and our Legends Color Draft. Uh, we're going to give a few updates. First of all, I want to say that I apologize that the audio on episode 27 had some issues. I, I don't know what happened, uh, but uh, just the, this afternoon as we're recording this, I did re-release it, digitally remastered. Well, just hopefully better than it was uh, when you listened to it. So apologize for that. Uh, hopefully it's sounding better now. Yes, yes. I just want to, I just want to say thank you, Corey, for reposting that. We don't blame you at all. You do a tremendous job. You do. Um, the two times I had to do it was freaking horrible, and um, not not audio quality. It sounded spectacular, but yes, it, did. I, it, it took years off my life. And I just gonna pull back the curtain a little bit. Um, there was an episode a few weeks ago where all four of us weren't on at the same time. But thanks to Corey's handiwork, I don't know if anybody knows that. So if you can figure out which one that is, you win a prize to be determined later, and it will be a disappointing prize. I'll let you know up front right now. But thank you for all your hard work in producing the show, Corey. My pleasure. I enjoy doing it. Thank you, Chad, for those, for those compliments. Um, we talked at the end of uh, episode 27 last time about some trades that had happened since the initial draft night recording. And we've had, I believe, just one trade uh, since then. Chad, would you like to update promoters on the trade that took place? Yes, this was an earth-shaking blockbuster trade that occurred on Sunday evening where I traded Jim Brunzel and Francine to young Corey Olson for Marty Gennetti. If I remember who I got. Marty Gennetti <laughs> is now in my promotion. Yes. I obviously left an impression on you. Yeah, I know. I was tired. I had <laughs> and you and you were the one who contacted me with a couple scenarios because you really wanted Marty. So I did. I really wanted <laughs> Marty to come to my promotion. So he's gonna he's all yours. He's gonna be teaming up with Rick McCord and oh, reunite yes. the uh, Central States tag team of the Uptown Boys. So excellent. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. Marty party. So. The Marty Party is coming to my promotion. And speaking of which, talk a little bit about my promotion. Right now, I'm thinking it's going to be Western States Wrestling, WSW. Um, we've been busy making some fancy logos, even though we're not smart enough to figure out how to post them on the discussion board. We have them. Maybe someday we'll figure that out. And uh, it's going to be based in California. Might do some TV tapings in in um, Las Vegas, 
kind of reminiscent of the AWA since, of course, the showboat is blown up. It'll probably be at the Gold Coast Casino where we go to the CAC. So promoter Chad Olson can also get a Gold Coast dog. Um, and it's probably about all I want to say for right now about that. But that that's where I'm leading. That's where I made the my favorite uh, logo so far is for that Western States. I know some people were pulling for me to promote in the Michigan, Ohio, Indiana little quadrangle, but that's not going to happen. Excellent. Uh, Tim, any updates you want to give on your territory? Yeah, so I was I was originally thinking because I'm I'm comfortable, you know, in the Northeast stuff, and I'm 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 pretty good and knowledgeable about venues and cities and all that. So I wanted to kind of push myself out of that comfort zone. And I think by picking Jack Briscoe, I immediately thought Florida. But then I said, well, you know, maybe let's go to to one of the lesser known or uncharted territories. Done, <laughs> done. See what I did there? Nice. Uh, and and kind of go back to the Gulf Coast uh, territory and, and kind of work that area from, uh, from say, New Orleans in the, in the west to, to Tallahassee in the east and, and do that and, and kind of make it a, a little bit of a combination of, of Gulf Coast and south, Southeastern, which it kind of became, although Southeastern kind of then got got uh, mixed in with with Knoxville as well, so it's kind of going to be a little bit of a blend. But I, I I plan on staying in that Gulf Coast area and not really uh, you know doing Knoxville or doing Tennessee. Um, my other option that I thought about was doing something similar to Smoky Mountain, but again, just trying to get out of that comfort zone where I, I know everything or not know everything, but I, I I'm I'm familiar with the areas. And in, in this case, on Gulf Coast, I really, it's an area that I knew about, but didn't know much about. So I wanted to kind of learn more, and this is a good way for me to do it. So I'm going to call it, just to, to kind of uh, uh, mix the two, I'm going to call it South Coast Championship Wrestling. And I've created a fun little logo with a wave in there, uh, like an ocean wave, not like somebody waving. So... But that's that's where I'm at so far. I think I've got a fairly good initial setup, and I'm I'm, I'm I think I'm getting close to being good to go. Awesome, uh, Stu. Any updates from the uh, Washington D.C. territory? Yes, <clears throat> I, I too I could have run it as a Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling, but I was kind of like Tim, and then I wanted to do something a little different. So uh, my territory is going to be a little bit of a hybrid between Mid-Atlantic, uh, which is the territory upon which I, or which I grew up watching, and uh, the old Capital Wrestling days, or old precursor to WWWF, uh, which will be based out of Washington. I have wrestlers uh, drafted into my territory that are would have fit into either territory back in the day, and uh, it should be fun. I'm going to run with Washington as my hub, uh, tour Virginia, maybe tour a little bit of North Carolina. That's going to be about the extent of it. Um, and the name of the promotion, I just wanted a name that would have somewhat of a retro feel, is going to be Star Spangled Wrestling. And uh, that's all I'm going to say at this point. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you, Sue, for that update. And I want to say that. And uh, I'm going to kick things off with a 10 man scaffold match. <laughs> Dude, I got that shit copywritten. Try it. <laughs> he can call it a platform match. <laughs> <laughs> Who 
gets tossed off first. <laughs> it's going to be the suspense will kill you. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> well, for my territory, not too many updates so far. But, yeah, sticking with the Great Lakes Championship Wrestling uh, um, theme and, and setting. So Minnesota, Wisconsin may journey down into, like, the northern part of Iowa. We'll see. Uh, but just kind of sticking around my my home for now. And as I said on last week's episode, um, you know, not just featuring the big cities, but uh, some of these smaller places, which to those that don't live in the Midwest, you know, may have never heard of them, but they're unique places, especially to Minnesota independent wrestlers. Um, thinking probably a, a singles heavyweight and a tag team title, and then probably at some point a, another singles title for some of those secondary guys. Been looking at some ideas. Um, a unique name caught my eye this week. Uh, some of you may know of Pro Wrestling America, which ran in Minnesota, late 80s and early 90s, uh, right as the AWA was kind of wrapping up and they, they kind of shared some talent, also featured the Lightning Kid and Jerry Lynn early in their careers. It was run by Eddie Sharkey. And they had a title called the Iron Horse TV Championship. Um, Lightning Kid held it, uh, Derek Dukes, many of you know Der about Derek Dukes. He was a, a multi-time champion. And the, just the name caught my eye and uh, I don't know, what the meaning behind Iron Horse is, uh, if it was some kind of sponsor or something, but I'm going to look into that a little more. So may have to incorporate an Iron Horse TV championship into my uh, Great Lakes Championship Wrestling. Um, uh, Tim was mentioning his uh, his logo with the wave, and uh, I want to give uh, Chad some praise here. Chad's been putting together logos for each of us uh, and found a great logo for Great Lakes Championship Wrestling featuring Minnesota and Wisconsin. So Thank you, brother, for, for putting those together for us. They're going to add. And as, I, as Chad said, if we can post the pictures, we'll do that. Uh, there was also a request from our draft master, Todd, just on the discussion board a couple hours ago. If we were going to post uh, the rosters in the thread, and we can do that. I, I didn't think about doing that, but uh, we can go back to the episode 27 thread and maybe do a post for everybody and what they, uh, whom they chose initially, and then the, the draft updates as well. So we can update that as more trades take place. Go ahead, Chad. I was actually texting with Todd during our episode, not that I don't pay full attention to us while we're recording, but because um, I saw his comment too, and I think what we'll do is put a, a thread in the LOW's feds area of the discussion board, and then Todd will pin that for people to peruse or ignore at their leisure. Excellent. Sounds like a great plan. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. So we're kind of wrapping up here, uh, episode 28. So let's go around the Zoom room and give our shout outs. Tim, any shout outs this week? Nothing really. Uh, you know, thank, thanking the folks that listen and uh, just want to plug Destroyer Park Golf, uh, one of my personal passions, which will uh, be, it was open and then it kind of shut down because we had some rain and there's some standing water out on hole number 15. Uh, but it's, it's a great, great thing if you're around the Buffalo area. Uh, it, it's out in the Akron Newstead, uh, which is a suburb, and it's definitely worth the trip if you can do it. Uh, mention my name, you will get no special treatment at all, and they may kick you out. Excellent. Thank you, Tim. Uh, Stu, shout outs? I've got a new pilgrimage on my uh, radar. I am going to try and get to eventually the town of Knightstown, Indiana. I, a couple of podcasts ago, I had recommended a book called Rise and Fire, which is about another love of mine, which is basketball. And in this book, they were going through uh, the history of some unknown stars in the development of the jump shot. And the history of the jump shot sounds like a very narrow scope book, but it's actually very well written. 
And in Nicetown, Indiana, there exists a place called Hoosier Gym, and it is the gym where they filmed the movie in 1986, Hoosiers. And they have kept it looking like the film. Uh, a lot of the, the props are still up. The, floor, the court has Hickory High right in the middle. It just looks like something that's totally right up my alley. So I am going to be making that pilgrimage at some point to see uh, Hoosier Gym. Uh, other than that, good night, Denmark. Excellent. I'm uh, not a basketball fan, but I always enjoyed the movie Hoosiers, so that's a definite pilgrimage you should take, Stu. I, I support that. Let me know uh, when you go, Stu. It's only eight hours from here. I'll journey <laughs> there. Oh, I'm serious. I'll go see you. Hooters getting close. I mean, yeah, it's closer than freaking Virginia or wherever you are. Hooterville. Hooterville. <laughs> Up the holler. Up the holler. Oh, man. Yeah, did he shout outs? I take the opportunity to um, thank everybody who took their time to comment on our last show, Ace 2017, Lee, Troy, Todd, Matt Dickendesher, Sam Fain, Jay, Emperor Norton, Joe Breakdown, Grant, L.A. Wraith, J. Row 7. No relation to J. Lo. One uh, through seven. That we know think. of. That we know of. Yeah. We'll, we'll, get our, we'll get our team to try to figure that out, but Thank you, JRO7 and everyone else. And everybody else, uh, well, those guys too. I shouldn't exclude them. Everyone have a good night and stay safe. And thank you for listening. Excellent. Yeah, and thank you for your comments, promoters. Keep them coming. Um, I also want to put out a plug. It's in the podcast notes, but we would love to get your audio comments. Uh, we would like to do kind of a, a Q&A mailbag sort of feature in a few weeks. So, but in order to do that, we need content. So uh, follow the directions in the podcast notes, record a message, and we'll answer it on the air here. I got a message from Derek, a loyal listener down in Texas, and uh, a written message on the discussion board. So we'll, we'll share that message. And thank you, Derek, for sending in some good questions. And uh, Derek is also a, has some ties to Minnesota here, and we have some uh, common acquaintances. So thanks for sending that in, Derek. Also want to mention that we have another country that is listening to Uncharted Territory. Are you ready for this? Hit me. We have a listener or listeners in Japan. Oh! <laughs> so, thank and you. Kenta for... Kobashi listens to us every week. <laughs> I'm sure that's who it is. Yes. I'm, so, I'm sure. So, uh, Domo Arigato for listening. And uh, we'd like to make Uncharted Territory Ichiban in Japan. Hey, Mark, and... how many people listen to your lame ass prog? <laughs> countries wow. there, buddy. Oh, a little more than that, but uh, <laughs> about it. all those sad European countries. I got Tunisia. Do you have Tunisia? Yeah, I got real... three Nisias, buddy. You... <laughs> I, mean. I got Ghana. I got Brazil. I got yeah. Excellent. Fake news. <laughs> oh boy, we're quickly degrading here. So let's wrap this up. Uh, thanks again, promoters, for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Impact Pro Wrestling celebrates 20 years of wrestling in the Midwest with a huge show on Saturday, May 8th at the Forte Center in Des Moines, Iowa. This will be IPW's first show with fans in person since February 2020. It's a huge night of action from beginning to end. Little Nate takes on Jackson King. The Princes of the Universe, Gable Galileo and AJ Smooth, defend their IPW Tag Team titles against Justin Decent and Ethan Everhart. Malice battles Dalton Cooper in a brutal death match. Twin sisters collide when Sage Hale defends the IPW women's title against Briar Hale. 
A 20-man gauntlet for the gold for a future title shot will take place featuring many of the current stars of IPW, as well as IPW legends of the past. And in the main event, the golden boy Bryce Jordan cashes in his instant ticket with the chance of a lifetime to challenge the big picture for the IPW Heavyweight Championship. Jordan took the champ to the limit in Waterloo in 2019, and this match is a year in the making. Can he end the big picture's historic reign? For info and tickets, check out Impact Pro Wrestling's Facebook page. Can't attend in person? Check out Facebook for details on the iPay-Per-View streaming of this show. The 20th anniversary of Great Wrestling in Iowa takes place on Saturday, May 8th, when IPW returns to Des Moines. The 2021 George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend takes place July 15th through 17th in Waterloo, Iowa. Come see many of the legends of wrestling and the future stars of the sport. This year's award winners include former WWE and UFC star The World's Most Dangerous Man, Ken Shamrock, former WWE Champion and Olympic Powerlifter, Mark Henry, six-time former WWE Women's Champion, Trish Stratus, and the Dean of Professional Wrestling, Gordon Soley. And this year's 2021 Hall of Fame class features Iowa's own Earl Wampler, former NWA World Tag Team Champion, Don Kernodal, and former WWE Tag Team Champion and Manager, Adnan Al Casey. In addition to honoring these wrestling legends, a great card of wrestling action will be presented on Friday night at the Five Sullivan Brothers Center. This card will be brought to you by Impact Pro Wrestling, one of the top independent promotions in the Midwest today. Come check out the Hall of Fame Classic Tournament, featuring some of the top young wrestlers today, including Cole Cabana, Brian Pillman Jr., Madman Fulton, Dominic Garini, Gary J., Jeremy Wyatt, and more. And for the first time in Hall of Fame weekend history, a women's tournament will take place featuring Heather Monroe, Red Velvet, and Miranda Gordy. Meet several of the legends of wrestling's past, such as James J. Dillon, Jerry Briscoe, Mr. USA Tony Atlas, Sergeant Slaughter, and more. Also meet legendary wrestling coach and American wrestler Dan Gable. Get autographs from these stars in one of the most fan-friendly wrestling fan fests around. With a complete list of guests, check out the Luthez George Tragos Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame page on Facebook. For all access passes, call 319-233-0745 or visit the link in the podcast notes. Again, that's 319-233-0745. The 22nd Annual George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend, July 15th through 17th in Waterloo, Iowa. They took my best friend Reptilo And they turned him into a serpent man And they turned him into a doomsday creature And then they turned him back into Reptilo And he laughed I oh, want you please bring my Reptilo back I know he wasn't the best wrestler there ever was But I always thought he was well Kinda cute, even though he sucked. He was always trans evolving, and everything is always trans evolving, and you are always trans evolving, and I. 
am always trans-evolving. Won't you please bring my reptilo back? I know he wasn't the best wrestler there ever was, but I always thought he was, well, kind of cute, even though he sucked.